welcome to New Life Christian Center. We're so glad you're joining us online today. Our hope is that today you would find God in a real and a fresh way, wherever you are at this moment. We're going to continue. We're going to sing some songs to him and celebrate the good things he's done.
to hear is the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear praises he
been strong and I've been broken within a moment. I've been faithful and I've been reckless at every bend. I've held everything together and watched it shatter. I've stood tall and I have crumbled the same breath. I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender. Since my heart adrift and drifted home again. Under blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption. Every time I Yeah. 
deserve this kind of love. But somehow, this kind of love is who you are. It's a grace I could never add up to be somebody you still want. But somehow, you love me as you find me.
world that we could ever give you, that we could ever accomplish, that could earn your favor, that could earn your love, God. The grace just flows down. It washes over us, God, that All we can do is just hold our arms up to heaven and say, I'm yours. With all the things that are broken and all the things that are good and all the things that we have no control over and all the things we try to control, God, we lift them to you. We say, I'm yours. love wraps around us and draws us close, God. And may we rest in that peace. May we rest in that knowledge of knowing that you are in control. We are in your hands. And you are such a great God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was wonderful worshiping with you today. And so I invite you to keep on watching as a pastor comes on and gives us a message. 
Hey, thank you, Mike and the team for leading us in worship today. You know, I love how worship is us drawing near to God's heart, but sometimes when we don't even know what to say, uh, worship gives us the, the lyrics, the words to kind of uh, put those words to our own emotions and to our own thoughts, to our own feelings of how we express our, our praise and our gratitude to God. So thank you for leading us in that today. Hey, I want you to grab your phone. We do this every single week, but wherever you are, I'd love for you to just text a friend. And I know some of you have said, well, well, who do I text? I don't know, whoever comes to mind right now, just go ahead and send them a quick little note. Let them know that you're thinking about them. Uh, maybe that you're praying for them, just to send a note to encourage them. It's one of the ways we, we kind of move outside of our own four walls to make an impact in someone else's life. Uh, also, if you'll go online to newlifecc.com, you'll see our resources. You'll see message notes for this message. Uh, you'll see stuff for kids and for students. There's all kinds of things on there. So don't miss out uh, on those resources. Also, this is the moment where we kind of pause and we continue our worship but not through music, but in the worship of generosity. And many of you have chosen now to give online or through our app. That's how we've chosen to do it for years now. But we just don't ever want to forget uh, expressing our gratitude to God for all that he provides for us. So whether, again, you do it online or through the app, uh, whether you mail it in, you'll see the information down below. But we just want to say thank you, God, for all that you do. And I want to personally say thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity because it allows ministry to continue forward. It allows us to continue making an impact in people's lives through the power of Jesus Christ. So go ahead and take that moment and give back to God. I also want to let you know of one other thing that, that's coming up. Uh, we regularly have a food pantry here and a huge thank you to all who serve and give in that. But we have something coming up on Saturday, September 26th. We are partnering together with Convoy of Hope, which is an international ministry providing food and resources for those in need. And on that Saturday, September 26th, they're going to bring a, a big truck here with enough boxed groceries for a thousand families, for 1,000 families. Now here's what we need with that. We need about 40 to 50 volunteers that will help us in our parking lot uh, navigate the cars because it's all going to be in cars. We're going to be social distancing, uh, all those things to remain safe, but we're going to direct the cars through, give them uh, the groceries and then get them on their way. But we're going to need people working with the boxes, working with kind of traffic flow. And so uh, you're going to see some information come through email and our social media with a link of how you can sign up to volunteer. But the second side of that is, is if you or someone you know is in need of groceries. Now, you don't have to be on the last breadcrumb kind of thing, but maybe this is just a difficult time. Maybe you have lost a job or uh, been furloughed, whatever it might be, and you find yourself or someone you know in that place. We would love to have you come on that Saturday, September 26th, and allow us just to love on you by giving you some groceries as we partner with Convoy of Hope. So continue following us on social media and watch to see how you can uh, connect with that, be a part of it and be blessed by it. Last thing before we dive into the message, uh, we all know the fires that have been raging uh, all around our state and literally the entire West Coast 
And uh, we, we sense it and know it in our air quality and all the different things that are going on. But we also know there are so many who have lost their lives, uh, many first responders and firefighters who are exhausted. And so we just want to pause today and we want to pray that God would intervene and God would be at work in that. So would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today and we, we see on TV and we see it in the air, the effects of these fires that are going on. And Lord, we just, we pray right now for your intervention, for your care, for your work in this. Lord, we pray for firefighters, for, for all those who are responding. We pray that you'd give them energy and strength. We pray that you'd protect them and guard them. Pray that you'd give their families peace as they are anxious and nervous about what their loved ones are facing. So God, just surround them today. Lord, for individuals uh, who have lost homes and businesses, for communities that are being evacuated, we pray, Lord, that there would be so many who reach out to love and to care. We pray again for protection over each one of them. And Lord, for those who have lost loved ones through this, we pray for, God, just your, your mercy during this time as they grieve and as they mourn, that you would be close to them. God, it's hard sometimes even to know what to pray in times like this. So we, we just simply ask for your mercy. We ask for your intervention. We ask for your power and your strength in this, that you would guide us through this challenging time. We love you and we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your note sheet, I want you to get that out because we are in a series called Refocus. And this series is taking us all the way back to the beginning of this crazy year, which we started with a series called 2020 Vision. In fact, I had someone come up to me just today and say, I remember on that first Sunday in January when you said, this is the year. Little did I know what was going to transpire and what we were going to face in this 2020. I think we all know deep down that we don't have control over these things, but we like to think we have a degree of personal volition in this, right? We make plans, we chart our course, we map the future, we have all these little sayings and phrases that we use, but when it comes down to it, we're on a roller coaster. We've felt frustration and fear. We've been unsettled and we've been uncertain. We've probably been angry and upset and hurt. But, but we've also seen incredible acts of kindness and grace. We have seen people give in deep ways. We've seen people step out to serve and to make a difference. We've seen bravery and we've seen courage. But it's been a roller coaster ride. And it's so easy to let all of the things we've experienced and felt, both uh, legitimate and real, get our focus off of Jesus. We forget sometimes that he's got us and that he won't let go. It's so easy to forget that God is inviting us into something deeper, that he, he's not just driving us through something challenging, but he, he's, he's inviting us to lean in close, a deeper place of trust and relationship and hope, maybe than we've ever known in our entire lives. This is what this season can be. Now, here's our key verse over these past few weeks. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this in the book of Philippians. He said, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. 
beckoning us onward to Jesus, inviting us closer to Jesus. That's what this is all about. Leaning in, focusing clearly on him. Have you ever been driving down the highway, uh, especially if you're in one of the right-hand lanes, and suddenly you find that your lane has now become the exit-only lane? Have you ever had that? Especially if there's a lot of traffic and you're thinking, but I don't want to get off here. I don't want to get, you know, and yet here you are in this lane and it's so challenging. And maybe even you haven't been able to get out of that and you find yourself heading off in a direction that you didn't really want and you weren't really planning on. I've had this happen a few times and I think I want to be right over there, but I, but I can't get there. And sometimes it's because we got distracted. Sometimes it's we just kind of got lulled into just going with the flow. Maybe we were focusing on something else, something going on in the car, or something on our phone, which you should not do. Uh, maybe changing the, the stereo in your car, whatever it might be. But now you find yourself not where you want to be. Well, here's what's crazy when you really think about it. The first few inches of that detour, detour are hardly noticeable. It's, it's two lanes, but it's, it's hard to even tell. It's just this little bitty variance. But as time goes on, it takes you further and further away. And it's the same for us. I choose my way and I begin to veer off. I let fear replace faith. I let the political landscape dictate my hope and my joy. Just, just a little bit. And little by little, moment by moment, my eyes focus on other things rather than Jesus. And I find that I'm not where I want to be. And the passage we read, Paul reminds us that he's not an expert in all of this. In other words, he's on the journey too. He's figuring it out too. He says, but he's keeping his eyes on Jesus, stepping into the invitation that God gives to lean in close. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want, to lean in close. And I think you want it too. It's just the challenge of, of walking that moment by moment. So we're going to actually dive into that today. And we're going to look at a passage in the Bible that, frankly, many of us just don't go to very often. It's a tiny little book in the Old Testament, and it's got a weird name. And the name is Haggai. And I want you to turn there. Haggai chapter 1. Now, Haggai is actually the name of the prophet who wrote it. And I'll be honest, the junior high boy in me still thinks it's the coolest name in the entire Bible. You just think Haggai or something. Now, I grew up hearing that name as Haggai, but it's actually just pronounced Haggai. And I want to go there, and I want you to go there in your Bible. And again, it's very small, only two chapters, so I'll give you about 15 minutes to get there. Now, just use your table of contents or search for it on your, your digital media, whatever it might be. But again, only two chapters, 38 total verses in this book. I did a little bit of math, and it's like 0.002% of the whole of the Old Testament. So you can see why it's really easy to overlook. But not only that, the book of Haggai only talks about a very slim slice of history. Literally just a few months. But what this book talks about is so applicable to us today. Have you ever had one of those moments in life when you go, yeah, I need to do that, but not right now, not right now. I need to clean the garage, but I don't want to do that right now. 
I need to finish this writing assignment, right? If you're a student, but I just don't want to right now. I should turn off the TV, but it's just easier to sit here. I should go get some exercise. I should eat right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I need to, but not right now. See, we, we've all done that. We want something more, but we've just lost the energy or the inspiration or the hope to get us there. It's just easy to let things slide rather than to refocus on more important things. And that's what this little book of Haggai is all about. So here's the backstory. This book actually corresponds to the timing of the book of Ezra. And you'll see that earlier in the Old Testament, which is about the people of Israel coming back home after spending time in captivity and exile. In fact, they had been in captivity for about 70 years in a, in a different country. And they're finally able to come back home again and to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed and also to rebuild Jerusalem as well. Now, again, this is chronicled in the books of Ezra, which was about the temple, and Nehemiah, which was about building Jerusalem again. And, and not only are they going to rebuild these walls and these buildings, but they're going to rebuild their lives, and they're going to rebuild their identity as a nation, and they're actually going to rebuild their worship again. And it's incredibly exciting, this, this new phase that they're in, this, this new step that they get to take. But it comes with some enormous challenges because there are some local individuals and some local clans and tribes that have risen up to try and stop them. And not just stop them physically, though they try to do that as well, but to discourage them, to kind of pull away what God wanted to do. And so the people just start wearing out. They're just tired and they just don't feel they can do it anymore. And again, it's not just a physical tiredness. It's an emotional, it's a spiritual tiredness. They're just like, I know I should, but, but I'll just do it later. And for 18 years, 18 years, they move their focus away from worshiping God, away from building his temple, and they just get by. They just kind of go with the flow day after day, year after year. And the point is this, Haggai is written to people who need to experience God's, God's power and God's presence again. They become so settled that they keep pushing off a desire to know and experience God till some other time. You know, not now, not now, later, later, later. And it's a pretty relevant issue for us, isn't it? Because we live in a world that drains us maybe more so now than ever before. Work has become so challenging uh, with so many losing their jobs, but also moving to things like Zoom and trying to figure out, can we open, are we inside, are we outside, all of those things. School comes with its own challenges, right? Many of you are, are homeschooling. Uh, nearly everybody is doing class online. Teachers have to go to empty classrooms. It's just hard. And we try to navigate all that, sometimes at the expense of relationships and often at the expense of our own heart and soul. We try and get by only to find that we keep struggling. And there are so many competing demands that we just can't keep up. And so what happens? We become deflated. We become exhausted. 
I've read that depression is at an all-time high, anxiety is at an all-time high. None of this is a surprise to us. We know it and we feel it. We feel the weight of it. We're, we're grieving in this. That's, that's our experience. But that isn't how God wants it to be. I know this is hard, but he also wants to invite us into something more, to come back to him, to renew our hearts and our commitment, to experience life in him. And that's why Paul uses these words in our key passage where he says, I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Powerful words. So I want to give you a few things. I want you to go ahead and write these down as we dive into this first chapter of Haggai. Again, you've maybe never even read it before or looked at it, but I want you to see some really important things. So write this down for number one. Refocusing begins with an inside look. Refocusing begins with an inside look. So look at these first verses of Haggai chapter one. Here's what it says. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Got those names, right? This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Now I want you to catch this. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. And then he says, the people are saying. So he's repeating what he's hearing from the people. And here's what they're saying. The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord, right? Later, later, later. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look, look at what's happening to you. You've planted so much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Does it sound familiar? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. And this is this key phrase. Look at what's happening to you. He gives them this challenge and these are tough words, but it starts with this phrase, Look, look what's happening to you. It's like he's telling them, don't just keep moving on. Don't just exist, but dig deeper. Take a good hard look at yourself. The people had been pushing off being obedient and doing what God had called them to do. And they were frustrated because things just seemed to keep going wrong right? He talks about their, their food and their planting and their clothes and all, all these different things. And it's like, what should have satisfied them wasn't anymore. What should have been enjoyable was becoming a strain. What should have brought provision just seemed to be crumbling. All of these things kept going sideways on them. And Haggai calls them to stop, stop and take a good look inside. He wanted them to connect the dots between their hearts and their activity. He says, there's a, there's a connection here. He says, I want you to see the results when you choose to live apart and when you choose to live distant from God. So how about me? And how about you? Have you ever stopped to take a good hard look at your life and at your heart? Here's the question. Are there things that are out of place? 
are there things that just aren't lining up? When the Bible says that, that we can live in the joy of our salvation, is joy absent in your life? Is peace missing? Have we focused on a thousand other things rather than God? In just about every sport, there's a phrase that coaches use, and it's this, keep your eye on the ball, right? Whether you're a little league coach or a professional, whatever it might be, football, soccer, baseball, it doesn't matter what it is. They always say, keep your eye on the ball. And they'll tell batters, don't watch the pitcher's arm, keep your eye on the ball. Don't fall for the fake handoff, but keep your eye on the ball. So here's my question. Where have our eyes been lately? Where have our appetites been? How is our heart and our soul responding to the chaos around? This is where we come back and we say, God, would you shine your searchlight into my soul and show me what's there? Show me where things are, are misaligned, where I've become angry and consumed with politics or responding or, or whatever it might be. And, and there's nothing wrong with politics. There's nothing wrong with, with some of these things that we, we have to do and engage in in our lives. But when they become our focus, we find ourselves getting out of sync. But God can show us where things are off. Where Haggai says, look, look at yourselves. Look at what's going on. King David wrote this in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David is saying, God, search me, show me. Let me see what's inside and how it lines up with you because I want to know you. Write this down for number two. Refocusing is trading my priorities for his. My priorities for his. Look at verse two again. And remember, the Lord is repeating what everyone is saying and thinking. It says this, the people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Not yet, God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not yet. It's been 18 years. And God's wanted them to do this. It's not like God's putting the brakes on here. It's not like God's saying, wait on me in this. He's, he's challenged them to do this. And they're saying, whoa, 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 not just yet. Later, later, later. For 18 years, they've been standing on the rubble of the temple, offering sacrifices, putting up with rubble for 18 years. Not yet, God, later. And for 18 years, they would go back to their own homes, homes with walls and doors and roofs completely finished, while God's house is sitting unfinished because for some reason, it's just not the right time. And yet the people have had the energy and the effort to, to build and decorate their own homes. Everyone was saying it. The time has not yet come. Not yet. Not yet. It was convenient. It was easy. And it was absolutely the wrong priority. Everyone was saying, not yet, except God. And in this book of Haggai, God rearranges the priorities. 
See, the world may be telling us how they think we should act and how we should organize our priorities and how we should respond, but ultimately it's God who decides what actually happens. And he's asking a very important question. Is your priority for me or is your priority for yourself? This question was being asked of the people in in Haggai's day, and it's a question that continues to be asked of each one of us now. God's saying, is your priority for me or is your priority for yourself? See, when struggles come, when challenges come, who gets priority, me or God? When sacrifices need to be made, who, who, who gets priority, me or God? When we need to balance our time and our resources and our energy and our efforts, who gets priority, me or God? When the world is trying to distract, who gets priority, me or God? When it's crunch time, when it's all out on the table, who gets priority, me or God? When our priorities mean that we are more concerned with our own little world as opposed to being concerned with God, and something's wrong, something's out of sync. See, this, this picture we're reading in Haggai was about rebuilding the temple. And can I tell you this? All these years later, we look at, at what was going on there and we realize the rebuilding of the temple is not the primary issue. Now, that's what it was centered around physically. But the primary issue is one of relationship. See, for them in the Old Testament, through the temple, God was brought close. Without the temple, God was at a distance. Through the temple, God would determine the agenda of the people, but without the temple, God is ignored. Through the temple, God was with them, but without the temple, God was again at arm's length. The Bible says that we are the temple of God. And God is questioning the priorities because we choose the wrong ones. That the people were missing out on having this full relationship with their heavenly father because they kept saying later, 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 the priority was on me and what I want. See, God wants a relationship with us, a close relationship now, in this moment, not at some point down the road, not a someday when I've got my life together and everything kind of fits together, but now. And this This was the case in the days of Haggai, and it's even more the case today. We know this is true because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul wrote this. God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, you ready for this? He says, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. This is the day we can make a choice. This is the day we realign our priorities back on God. See, Jesus is God with us. And Jesus shows us that God didn't want to keep us at a distance. That God has a plan that involves our eternity. And through Jesus, his death and his resurrection, we're given a visual picture of the lengths that God has gone in order to remove the distance between him and us. God wants his home to be our home. And Jesus is the one who's showing us the way right now. The last one is this. Refocusing is recognizing that he is with me. Now look at what happens next. This is what happens when we refocus on God. So look at the Haggai first chapter, uh, starting at verse 12. It says this, then Zerubbabel, 
son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And listen to this, the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. And when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's message, messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. He says, I am with you, says the Lord. Underline that in your Bible. I am with you. So the Lord, and I love this phrase, sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And they began to work on the house of, the, of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. So we see a couple things in there. One is, I am with you, says the Lord. And you know what strikes me with this? Haggai says, that he is, that God is with them before they do anything. They haven't started any work yet. This wasn't God playing hard to get. This, is, this wasn't God saying, well, prove it, show it, and then I'll be with you. The point he was making is, is that God was with them always. And God's with you, always. You know that over a hundred times throughout the Bible, we see God's promise that he won't leave us and he won't abandon us. And that needs to somehow go deeper in me and in you. It should give us hope and security and a firm foundation. Our Father isn't walking out on us. When we rebelled, God made a promise to restore the relationship. And Jesus fulfilled that promise by going to the cross on our behalf. He offered us the great exchange. And I, I use this phrase periodically, but this whole great exchange, we know what an exchange is, right? And, and when Jesus came, he, he took all of our sin and our stain and our garbage, all the junk that was in us, and he took that. And the exchange he gave us doesn't make any sense at all. That rather than giving us what we deserve, rather than giving us uh, condemnation, rather than giving us punishment for that, instead, because of the cross, he exchanged all of that sin, all of that stain, and he gave us life, and he gave us hope, and he gave us strength. That's what Jesus offered through the cross. And he comes to be with us right now. Now, the passage uses this phrase that God sparked their enthusiasm. Now, enthusiasm isn't just about a hobby or a musical artist or a sports team. It isn't about being really excited. The definition of that word in scripture, ready for this? Enthusiasm literally means full of God. I know our culture and our language has taken it in a different direction, but it literally comes from the words meaning full of God. And when the people checked their own heart and actions, when they made a decision to make God their priority, his presence and his spirit gave them hope and life and passion to know him and follow and serve. And they built the temple. See, God's here to give strength and passion and a desire to follow him to each one of us as well. To build the temple of our lives so that he is honored and glorified in all that we are and all that we do. In the midst of a crazy time, he is here and his desire to spark his presence and his power in us as we refocus on him. Let me close with these words from Isaiah. Chapter 40, it says this. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. 
No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let's refocus our hearts and our minds on him. Let's choose him today. Not someday, not not later, but in this moment. Would you pray with me? You may be sitting in your living room or watching this on your phone, but I want you literally just to bow your heads, close your eyes. Because some of you, wherever you are, have been putting God off for a long time. Maybe someday, maybe one day. But as we read that passage, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can be made new. Today is the day you can experience hope and peace in Christ. And if you're ready to make that step, you're ready to put your life in God's hands. I'm just going to pray a prayer and wherever you are, just just use this as a model. Use this as an example of, of praying and inviting Christ to be the Lord of your life. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and paying the price for my sin. Thank you for offering the great exchange, my sin for eternal life with you. I pray, Lord, for your forgiveness. Pray, Lord, for your grace in my life. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, for each person who prayed that prayer and took a step of faith, I pray, Lord, that you'd surround them, care for them, love them. I pray, Lord, that they would experience you and your presence with them always. Lord, for each one of us, as our priorities sometimes get off and get out of sync, Lord, I pray that we would refocus our eyes back on you. We would choose your way. Lord, we would look deep within and choose to have our hearts align with yours. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, as we finish up, I want to challenge you with something, a little bit of homework for you. So I want to just challenge you to find a song this week. Now, this is not some pop song from the 80s or whatever, but a, a worship song. And it, and it could be an old hymn that means a lot to you. It could be a, a new worship song. You might go on Spotify or uh, Apple Music or wherever it is that you, you get your music and search under worship songs and find a song that will inspire you this week. To not fall into the I'll trust him later mentality, to, to just focus on everything else that the media is pushing us, at us, but instead that will remind you all through this week as you listen to it, maybe over and over and over again, to step into this moment with Jesus. A song that's been impacting me lately is called Take Me Back. And it's a song based on Revelation 2 where uh, Jesus says, somehow you've lost your first love, so come back once again. And I love the words of the song. It's, it's inspired me. I don't know what yours will be, but find a song this week and let it just kind of draw you moment by moment through this week to keep your eyes on Jesus. Hey, I hope this week that you will trust him, that you will follow him. And my prayer for you is that you would be blessed and be a blessing. Thanks for joining us 